0: My guest today, Dr. Mangia Samantha Lawton, is an international speaker and author of several books. She trained as a medical doctor and general practitioner in London, England. Whilst at medical school, she turned from sceptic into mystic when she had an unexpected spiritual awakening, a kundalini experience at the age of 18 years old. Since then she's been on a quest to link ideas and the cutting edge of science and spirituality. She trained as a bioenergy healer with the Plexus Bioenergy Institute, now famous for having assisted Michael Flatley with his recent recovery. She's also worked as a holistic doctor at the world-renowned Bristol Cancer Help Centre. In 2002, a series of extraordinary events unfolded, which led to her leaving the medical profession and entering onto her true path. Later, in 2006, her first book, Punk Science, was published by O-Books and has received worldwide acclaim ever since. In it, she described her new cutting edge theories of cosmology, which place black holes at the center of a conscious creative universe. In 2008, she joined the prestigious Hokkaido Science Symposium in Japan, with just seven other scientists and philosophers from around the world. She then published her second book in 2009, The Genius Groove, which further describes the connections between cutting-edge ideas and science and how they can be applied to your life, helping you to find your true path. Recently quoted, All of our societal systems are undergoing tremendous upheaval as we transition from a mechanical, disconnected way of life to a new world which places consciousness at the heart of the universe and is open to the multi-dimensions. The changes can be felt in all areas of life, from our economy to our educational systems, to religion and healthcare to science. As we move from the old ideas to the new, our lives are starting to open up to a new reality. Dr. Mangia Samantha Lawton joins me on In Discussion. Welcome to In Discussion today, and my guest, Dr. Mangia Samantha Lawton. Welcome to you.
1: Hi, David. Good to be here.
0: I had the great honor of reading your book, Punk Science. What an incredible read this is. You cover an enormous area of subjects. What I would like to do, as with all my guests, is go back to your childhood and provide our listeners with an overview of where you came from. Could you give me a broad stroke of the memories that you have from childhood uh, working up towards education and into your higher education years?
1: Gosh, well, that's uh, quite a question uh, because I have a lot of memories from childhood, um, which on the whole was a very happy one and uh, I um, am from a medical family with two parents as doctors so that very much coloured my life because, uh, in a good way I think because uh, a medical life when you're living with two GPs definitely intrudes on family life such as uh, your father getting up to uh, see a patient during Christmas dinner and that sort of thing um, and the expectation for, as long as I can remember, was for myself to be a doctor and uh, the pressure was on. Um, as, you know, way back to primary school, you know, I can remember um, people having that expectation and for me to pass exams. The first sort of major exam that I did was at uh, seven years old, uh, where I had to pass an entrance exam to go to a particular school. And, uh, you know, I, I remember being coached at six in order to pass this exam. Um, I also uh, travelled a lot. Um, f- in those days it was quite unusual to do long-haul flights, but uh, my first flight was about two or three years old and it was um, to India. Um, and uh, so, you know, that, that was quite unusual in those days. And uh, we also uh, visited relatives in the United States and Canada. Um, and uh, being uh, the daughter of two doctors, I had um, a fairly privileged life as well. Um, definitely had everything that I needed in terms of uh, finance, Finance, you know, so, uh, yeah. Um, and educationally, my parents worked very hard. They arrived in this country a year before I was born and uh, in the United Kingdom from um, Calcutta in India where they met at medical school and uh, so I, um, they worked very hard to build up from scratch in this country and all three of uh, their children, I have two sisters and the middle daughter, um, we all went to uh, a private school right from the start, um, so a very good education.
0: Looking back to the years prior to your kundalini experience at 18, what were the most Notable events looking back in retrospect now, do you remember being insulated in any way or in any sort of special world, or was it a straightforward type of childhood?
1: Um, I think uh, for me, emotionally, my elder sister had a huge influence on my life. Um, she's five years older than me, so. In a way um, there was that insularity in that we were sort of uh, you know, Bengali middle class in a private school so maybe not exposed to all sectors of society um, but at the same time um, my sister had um, a huge influence she introduced me to a lot of writers, she, she introduced me to a lot of culture um, we were very uh, a cultured family and into fashion. And uh, you know, I st- the book's called Punk Science. I started to get into punk when I was quite young. Um, I missed the actual you know era of punk in the 1970s, but um, you know I remember very clearly the first time I listened to like Iggy Pop and the Sex Pistols and that sort of thing. And for for Indian, uh, you know, uh, daughters of Asian parents in this country, we, we were pretty out there. I mean, we were in all the latest fashions. We knew all the latest music. We were going to rock concerts and clubs. And so in terms of, um, uh, in comparatively with um, you know, other Bengali fa- origin families, um, we were known about. We were the Samantha sisters. We were <laughs> very much uh, notorious on the scene. <laughs> And uh, very different, and uh, I think I've got my parents to think to have definitely in some ways a very open uh, open way of thinking and uh, you know the philosophical um, background is that uh, my parents are Hindu, so um, it, it's some in some ways Hinduism is very open
0: having said all that though looking back at that period, were you already beginning to recognize Gnostic values, Gnostic history, science, or was that something that came later?
1: Um, I loved science, but I didn't have a clue when it came to anything that you might call Gnosticism. Um, there were there were some hints. Um, I was a Scorpio child and I was um, very interested in paranormal things, but I wasn't the child... Um, who was seeing spirits or you know being aware of other dimensions or uh, very much um, that wasn't that wasn't what was going on and uh, it was kind of an intellectual concept, but it, it wasn't my experience. and um, so I fell in love with science from my very first science lesson at about twelve years old and I um, went down that route and I was very much in that paradigm as a teenager. Um, would light up every time I saw Richard Dawkins on the television because I thought he was talking so much sense um, to get rid of all this nonsense <laughs> that people talk about, you know. the And uh, that sort of thinking, that logic and the ultra scientific scientism, you know, was very much where I was at.
0: There is evidence there that you were looking forwards more towards new science than looking at. Traditional quantum science
1: Um, I was looking at some Yes I was definitely looking at The reductionist uh, traditional View Um, My physics um, Led up to Quantum theory in school But um, it didn't didn't go there. So um, I also had a uh, was reading New Scientist um, as a teenager, I had a subscription in order to get the background knowledge to uh, get through the medical school exams and uh, in the um, interviews. And uh, I was reading about, you know, quantum physics at the time thinking well this is rather weird, but uh, not really sort of relating to it as such. That came later. <laughs>
0: your Kundalini experience around 18 years old mm. can you just briefly explain how that came to
1: be um completely out of the blue um, I am um, well in in, <laughs> in terms of the ego perspective um, somebody signed me up in Freshers' freshest week which is uh, in university you know, you you're courted by many societies, and uh, somebody signed up, signed me up for a yoga class, which I thought was exercise, and I was very much into sports, so um, I turned up in sweatpants and uh, just had a feeling that I was actually meant to be there. A strange sort of sense of um, of, of the rightness of place, and uh, the uh, the person running the group actually put on a, a video. Featuring a, an Indian guru, and um, she took us through a process. And I didn't get any exercise, yoga exercises, but what I did get was this sense of unity um, and sort of an—it's very indescribable. But um, yeah, that—that that was the kundalini experience, and it changed my life completely. I wouldn't be talking to you today if it hadn't happened.
0: Did that in itself take you into a different paradigm of thinking? as a woman. Did you start then looking at history, looking at uh, the goddess, looking at Mother Earth, uh, looking at yin and yang more than you had done before?
1: Um, Yes, certainly. That's very perceptive of you. Um, I um, did, as a medical student, I had five years of leading a double life. Um, where i was going and exploring in my spare time as much as i could um, the my you know spiritual journey and uh, part of that spiritual journey was exploring what you might call sort of Wicca or paganism and the sort of goddess aspects um, which is uh, very much very valuable um, and it, it's part of who I am now, but I wouldn't say I, I'm, I don't call myself a Wiccan or, or a pagan really, but it's um, It's an aspect of me that I've explored that goddess arena.
0: It's interesting. There's much evidence from particularly women who have traveled through a Kundalini experience that they also carry a burden in a way of all of history going back hundreds if not thousands of years where they travel through the inquisition uh, travel through so many dark times was that something that emerged for you or was it simply a a personal experience
1: gosh um, um past life remembrances and i think a lot of people male and female have this experience where um, they um start to awaken these deeply held emotions, um which are unconscious, and through various methods, they can uncover this. And um many people who are on the spiritual path, as it were now are actually um have a resistance to it initially because they remember persecutions from last time. but, um, you know, definitely in my life, I don't, I don't know how much you want to get into this, but um, you know, I've had um, you know, the persecution from the medical profession, and um, that was um, something that was initiated um, actually by my family that then didn't understand my spirituality and um, uh, my ex husband, and uh, so I've had. You know, then I had a referral to the General Medical Council because, uh, you know, my ex-husband presented my spirituality, and he's a doctor as well, um, in a way that sounded like mental illness. So um, I, that was a huge turning point for me. And uh, what was interesting in, in one of these uh, interviews, um, a, a dark mark started to appear around my neck and I didn't actually mention this to anyone but it was actually spotted by some people who knew what was going on in my life and they just went well that that's a noose mark and uh, it it was quite strange it was I I sort of intuitively sort of knew what it was as well so I don't know exactly what was going on there but it was a phenomenon that appeared that seemed to be like a a reliving of something
0: I I think that's where I'm going with this before we move on is that again there is huge emerging evidence as we change as human beings today that many of us are taking on a cellular generation or transition that also brings with it past lives, past relatives, past ancestors, past uh, times of darkness. It seems that People, and I do know that you talk about the human emotions very much, that that inner prison that you call it, uh, these are all things that are emerging in people as world citizens are going through this pain at the moment in this, this transition that I call it a gap into a, another epoch. We also not only go through the changes cellularly ourselves, but we take on or adopt or, or have to accept Through that change, everything that's gone before us, is that something that you could resonate with?
1: Yes, that's that's really well put, where deeper to cellular level. Well, you know, the world is uh, often described, the universe is often described as holographic um, by both mainstream and uh, what we might call uh, the alternative scientists that are coming up through the ranks and uh, you know they're probably not going to be alternative anymore but uh, you know so this concept of um, the holographic that everything um, contains the information of the whole um, you know very much fits with that so when we do do our um, emotional healing which as you said I feel is very um, central to the change that we're going through at the moment we're not just shifting ourselves we're shifting all of that ancestry and all the past and everything is uh, shifting with us we're we're shifting the whole world
0: I was going to say this is interesting I have shared time personally with Drunvalo Melchizedek over a coffee and then we shared a program and we talked about our reality and he posed the idea or the concept that that holographic that you're talking about it could well be something that is projected from the universe that we see as a reality but in actual fact it's not it's just one of the many frequencies that has us settle for now in this three-dimensional world but in actual fact there are many other frequencies uh, below us and above us that we don't know about but it just so happens that at the moment we're in this one
1: yeah that that's interesting take on it it's a combination of I think two ideas really for me um the holographic projection is actually mainstream physics at the moment so it's quite interesting that he came up with that um you know the work of sort of people like Bekenstein and Lee Smolin um, uh, are talking about uh, the universe being a holographic p- projection and uh, so um that that's very interesting that he came up with that um I think the concept of the different worlds absolutely i I tend to um see it more as uh, like he's saying as frequencies that are um there i mean I have personally since my Kundalini experience I have experience of these um different frequencies um these different worlds that started happening um after uh, that experience at 18 years old and have been happening sporadically ever since and not something that I choose to look for. They they happen quite spontaneously. So I think that's what's what's happening to humanity at the moment. We're going through this shift where more and more people are... Um, Experiencing those different worlds, both above and, and below, even. But I think what's happening is that people are actually experiencing the sort of what we might call above, even though when you get to those levels, there, there really isn't any hierarchy. It's something that we have to um, we have to put um, place onto there just to just to get an intellectual understanding.
0: I think that certainly, if you're talking about a fourth dimensional reality at which point we just become babies, of course. We have to start all over again. But that has definitely been experienced in astral planing. Many people are doing that. But when we talk about consciousness and changing consciousness, and it is absolutely evident today that we are going through a transition, and I suspect that it is not a traditional one, there are many signs that are suggesting that this is uh, making us, as I've said on my website right from the beginning of this programming, the generation of all generations. You continue after your Kundalini experience and you, you go into medical practice. Did that pain continue with you that you had experienced by being alienated during the time that your husband and others had place this pressure on you was that something that at the time looking back in retrospect you could uh, place into a parity with uh, so many in the past you know such as uh, Joan of Arc or Mary Magdalene uh, and others could you could you see that as a pattern
1: (laughs) I guess in terms of it is a um, the the call you know, are, uh, which world are you going to step into? Um, are you going to stay with the Orthodox or are you going to step into the greater reality? And, um, you know, we all have, uh, you know, our bills to pay and, uh, you know, this sort of thing. And, and uh, you know, it's it's very easy to sort of think that that's all there is. And uh, if you stepped into the greater, greater reality, what is there? So um, in a way... Um, I feel almost like I had, to, I had to be dragged into the greater reality by this enormous construction um and uh, it, it's I you know it's it's a total blessing which I see uh, now and at, at the time I knew what was that some greater plan was going on as well um, but uh, you know, I think we all we all have that. we our ego selves can't see exactly. Well, how am I going to pay the bills if I don't have my job? You know, and uh, so I, I definitely wouldn't compare myself to the you know these greats. But I think that that sort of call um, that uh, you know of the soul to step into that greater greater world. Um, I think there's there's people throughout history who've probably had that and I think in everybody's life if they actually look um, That there's been a call of some sort to um, to step up and and Be um, be all that you can be
0: Well, be in their truth find moral courage Which is certainly something to my mind that the world is lacking today that's a terrible judgment, and I never make judgments, but I, I think it's uh, fairly accurate. Moving through that period, how is your life changing? You are now maintaining balance, hopefully, and you've seen these uh, crises pass you by, and you are now in the medical community. How do you find that courage? How do you find that inner truth to be able to continue in, in what many would and still do consider to be out of the quantum world, how did you manage to work in a, on a higher level in this spirituality?
1: Um, in terms of how did they get through that experience and then move on? Is, that, is
0: Well, more in terms of knowing that those around you are still very much in this do-consume materialistic world, in this quantum thinking. Now you are balancing or you have a balancing act between that world by necessity but also looking at a new scientific world of consciousness. How did you achieve that?
1: In my medical life I qualified as a, and worked as a GP for a while and did all that, uh, that requires in uh, hospital medicine. Um, I just simply led a double life. So, and it was a secret life. And, um, I also trained as a, um, bioenergy healer in, uh, the period that I did pediatrics. And if anybody's done out there, it's done pediatrics, they know how busy that is. Um, so, um, you know, that I had to, you know, announce to people. It was very difficult because the doctors would tease me mercilessly. Like, what is this strange thing that you're doing? You know, waving your hands about and, uh, you know, at five o'clock in the morning when you're on call, you don't really appreciate it very much, I can tell you. So that, that was very much a double life. And when um, when all this happened, when, when uh, basically my um, ex-husband or, or organ- orchestrated a series of events which ended up with uh, a psychiatrist on my doorstep, um, wondering whether <laughs> I had uh, I needed to be uh, uh, sectioned or not, I, I, he could see that I didn't. Um, but when this call came, I was pretty actually pretty prepared, and um, because I had done the work in my own healing clinic, seeing clients about um, moving beyond judgment, and that um, in in every situation. It's just getting to the point where you sort of, uh, there's polarities in the situation, but you collapse the polarities and and realize that actually everything is perfect. No matter how it looks, everything is perfect. And that you yourself, your higher self orchestrates everything. And I I had just come back from um, Santa Fe where I'd seen Dr. John Martini, who put all this polarities being matter and antimatter and uh, when they uh, and compared the emotional journey to the annihilation process of antimatter and matter and bringing that into light and thus your journey your frequency changes and this widens and this is something that I know you talked to Bill Tiller quite a lot and uh, Bill Tiller describes as well, increasing your bandwidth is something that Bill Tiller talks about. So I, I believe that process increases your bandwidth. So when I was actually in the situation of having a psychiatrist come up and saying, you know, sorry, um, we're going to have to refer you to the General Medical Council, which is a regulatory body, even though that's, of course, a very difficult situation to go through, I, um, I knew that um, this was going to be a greater reality. I, I just knew that this was going to be the making of me. And um, so I wrote some of uh, my journey into uh, the second book, The Genius Groove. So, that's, you know, told it in, for, uh, in full there. Since then, I've gradually, gradually stepped into this greater reality. I um, found that I was taken care of financially, which was a great surprise to me because, um, you know, as everybody is, they, they think that they're not going to, you know, get by day to day. And I met a new partner and actually had more abundance. The the more I let go, the more abundance came came in, you know. It's very paradoxical, but it's true. So I started to, you know, find all this out. And, you know, my life now is more of a coherent whole. I think, um, like you're saying, you have to go and deal with what you might call the 3D world. But to me, you know, um, going down to do the shopping is a meditative delightful joyful experience you know I'm creative and channeling what am I going to eat when I do this I I don't see that there's that much separation um, in there you know I'm cooking meal and I'm just bringing that delight to it and you know genuinely I draw people towards me who are um, you know uh, in that sort of resonance Um, you know with my family um, we've we've gone through such a huge Um, Healing process and they were just with me yesterday my parents were with me yesterday. So it's um for me It's like uh, it's on all the time. You're not sort of. I'm not separating anymore And uh, I think that's that's a much better place to be
0: Everything that you're describing is about choice points and you reach This point in life where you do have to make the choice point You either stay in the quantum world or you? take yourself out of that world with all of those human frailties of codependence addiction fear and and everything else that comes with it and then suddenly recognize that you are the universe you are one everything is whole and then you clearly went through that choice point and found peace at that stage
1: yeah that's absolutely right i think um whatever crisis people are going through, if they can find just that 1% awareness in the middle of the crisis, um, where they know that this is absolutely perfect, there is no judgment to this situation, and that they themselves are infinite beings who are you know creating this for some reason at some level, if they can find you know point five one percent of awareness in that situation, um, I think that's the thing that brings people through, and it it's sometimes called mastery, you know, where you're not completely thrown about by the situation itself and you're not you know mastered by your emotions you actually got the awareness outside of the throwing about by all your emotions as well to actually know that this there's there's a higher order going on
0: I want to make sure that I have this in the correct order because we're talking about human emotions you have utilized this statement in a prison and also shifting frequencies which is terribly important do you see the correlation between the chaos that people are in today and the chaos of Mother Earth? And this may, in scientific terms, talk to chaos theory. Do you see that correlation between the suffering of Mother Earth today and, therefore, uh, by default, the suffering of people, whether consciously or unconsciously?
1: Yes, absolutely. There's... um uh. I, I do feel that correlation of in fact consciousness can sometimes come in form um and uh the form of gaia has appeared to me and uh wh- you know when, when i felt the emotion of that it was very powerful very strong um so yeah but at the same time i think um The way, you know, if you're sitting here and and judging everything as suffering, um, when, you know, even in suffering there is order. Um, It's not just a chaos, there is an order, there is a reason. And if we were to incarnate as souls and just have a very, very smooth life, we would not learn anything. And, you know, our souls come to this planet to... um, to go on this emotional journey, learn the maximum that we can. Throughout the dimensions, there's an amazing order to it. It's it's actually not chaotic. It's extremely ordered and geometric. And um, so, you know, the life lessons create the most amazing fabric and uh, when we leave this planet we can go to other planets or go to other other levels of reality and we're playing this game all the time um but at the moment we i, I think you referred to it before i do believe that we are at a p- point where the polarities are really doing something interesting and as a result the earth is changing we've had more major earthquakes In the last 6.2 years than um, any other time in recorded history since we've been recording earthquakes, um, there is something going on. The Earth is shifting. And I I believe that we're, you know, absolute humanity is mirroring it, but we are actually shifting into a greater reality. As the Earth has cycled, the ancient people have often recorded that the Earth cycles every 26,000 years in something that's sometimes referred to as the Great Year and the Yuga cycle. And um, I, I believe this is what we're going through now. And the shift is in consciousness. So yes, absolutely, we're going to feel that as well.
0: You know, I wonder with chaos, and we can put it into the concept of chaos theory, if we want to talk about it in scientific terms, should be looked at more optimistically. We know that chaos comes around because before it, there was balance. And after it, there will be balance. And I think that this appears to be the case now, that there is no doubt that people across the world are in so much chaos, because Gaia is in chaos which is hardly surprising um, considering uh, what we're doing whether we're talking about fossil fuels or anything else but it also suggests and is indicative of a world that for many centuries if not thousands of years has been dominated by the left side of the brain that male side of the brain and would you agree concur that this is also a time, and we can talk about the Mayan calendar and many of the prophecies, but would you concur that this is a stage where the right brain, the heart consciousness, the female aspect is ready to be born again?
1: <laughs> There's a lot in that. <laughs> um, there, there is something being born again, and, and we are having sort of the labor pains, as it were. Um, But uh, I don't think, as I said before, because I do have a multidimensional perspective, um, from that perspective, I see the beautiful order. Um, And uh, when I'm seeing from a perspective of high dimensions, there is nothing, not even the slightest movement that you make that is an accident or that is ineffective. Um, I mean, that's coming back to chaos theory again—the the flap of the butterfly wings effect, you know. Um, but uh, if you if you can see through the dimension, it creates a geometric resonance. It goes on to infinity. Just you picking up your fork to eat your dinner, and what you think is quite inconsequential when you magnify it through the dimensions, it makes. It affects everything from a black hole in a distant galaxy, um, ejecting a gamma ray burst, you know. all Everything is in total balance, actually, and it's related. It's just below the speed of light, which is where we reside at the moment in the conscious of where we're aware of, um, as you and I are talking on this Skype conversation. Um, you know, we uh, polarities exist because um, it's at the speed of light that um, beyond the speed of light is actually what we uh, I believe we call dark energy and dark matter, but it's actually um, the superluminal light what what goes uh, you know at the speed of light we're a photon actually it's it's beyond the speed of what we'll call the speed of light is actually these superluminal light which um, is beyond our normal perception now below the speed of light is what we call um, our everyday three d reality as it were. Um, and it's at this point that we get polarity because the photon splits off and it becomes its antimatter and matter components, so it forms polarity, and it's here that we get space and time we get gravity, we get mass we get um uh, we get the charge sorry not not gravity we get the charge, and uh, so we are seeing the world looking as if it is polar and there is chaos and but the reality is these are just two parts of the photon and the, you know th- this is what's going on on our planet as at the moment as well we are in extreme polarity at the moment and it looks terrible but if we could see it from beyond the speed of light and from the position of a, the photon that these these two particles really are you know we could actually see that even this massive polarity we're living through right now is in its perfection because we are actually birthing into a new world and into a new reality
0: this is where Nassim Haramein talks about singularity and we can talk about that difference between duality and singularity either in scientific form again or we can look at it in a historical perspective it appears again for many hundreds of years that we have been in duality but As Nassim points out, we are moving towards a singularity.
1: We are actually, we're always in the singularity. What we're doing is consciousness is playing a game and saying, you know what, what if I was to disguise myself as split? And um, But I'm always really light. I'm going to pretend to be split. I'm going to pretend that I've got a timeline. And uh, so the split happens, but in reality, just as we see in the zero-point field, the photon and the electron cycle, uh, sorry, the positron and the electron, the antimatter and the matter, cycle with the photon, and it's in a continuous cycle. They're split and they're not split at the same time. And that's exactly what we're going on. The singularity is always present.
0: You're actually defining where we're going today. And... Consciousness, to me, is perfection, and I think that we do get confused. I would concur with that. We spend much time discussing, or commentators discuss the problems with our world, and clearly there are, but it is all with purpose. It is all meaningful. It is all, at the end of the day, going to be right and perfect, as the universe is. Uh, There are some that say that we as a reality are in a duality and that the universe remains in a singularity all the time, however you define it. All we essentially know is that we are traveling into some type of epoch, and I'm sure that there will be many epochs afterwards. But uh, looking at today, uh, as a premise to the, the last part of the program and talking about your book, Punk Science, it seems that today is beginning to see the end of an industrialized era with an equation that is pretty dreadful but moving not only into a new technological era but moving into an equation of or, or an equation where science and technology equals a higher spirituality would you agree with that
1: uh, i absolutely and uh I think we only have to look to the children um you know that uh, are that are around that i mean I was involved at uh, some point with uh something called indigo children organizing conferences and uh got to come uh got to meet a lot of these amazingly aware young people and um you know, you would find them in all walks of life, even medical students, I met a whole bunch of medical students. And when we have these uh, children that have these different awarenesses, sometimes they're diagnosed of ADHD and I was definitely in the surgery having to, you know, deal with these children and, and uh, prescribe Ritalin and this and that for my job, unfortunately. Um, and I would observe these children with a, a field that was picking up um, a lot of... Um, everything in there or like an auric sense that is a new um a new sense that we're adding to humanity where uh, one of the main senses is an auric sense uh where they're not just taking information in intellectually but you know completely where they're being and uh, as we get these um, young people sort of um uh growing up of course they they naturally will look for technologies which incorporate spirituality. And uh, yes, I I really do believe that that's um, where we're headed as a natural progress um, because these children vibrationally can't do anything else. That's who they are. So they vibrate in a different way and they're going to invent different things.
0: These are amazing children and I've researched them quite well. It seems to me that they present the next being, not just a human being, but a being that could be thought of possibly as galactic or universal right. because they are quite unbelievable and they are clearly not simply working on the left brain, they're they've transferred into the right brain and that consciousness, they are using all of the attributes of both the left and the right hand side of the brain and I would imagine that they are what we can expect to see in human beings whether we're even called human beings in the century from now but we're we're seeing in them how we will be in many decades to come.
1: Yes yeah and, and even David if you know the left brain right brain analogy I think is going to start to um we're going to start going beyond that as well. I know Jill Balty Taylor did a um an amazing TED talk on on right brain's uh, thinking, but actually a, a lot of since we've had the era of pet scans and better um pet scanning, I think you know um a lot of this concept of left brain has come from the uh, language centers uh, which we have on the, in the left hemisphere uh which is sort of can be uh, predominant, but um I think um you know we're we're kind of moving beyond that as well what the the more that we're doing these pet scans we we're realizing that people um you know are the brain is lighting up um a lot with many different people um equally so um You know, I think it's whole being because um, the brain at the end of the day is just a conduit for consciousness. It's not the origin of consciousness. And uh, so we're going into whole beingness, um, not just whole brainness. Um, It's whole beingness. And uh, absolutely, I think these kids are um, showing a different, totally different sensibilities. And, uh, you know, putting labels on them, trying to define it is just you know, not going to work because it's it's actually going beyond uh, what we know know about today really.
0: It certainly is reflective of conditioning, that's for sure and some of course such as Velo, Melchizedek and others would talk about the third eye, the pineal gland, there's certain evidence of that of course. Working or moving along now to punk science, we're going to hit on this in the last 10 minutes of the program today Punk Science is a phenomenal book. It to me it's very much thinking out of the box, as it were. And also to me, and of course I read many, many books, it's very tailored towards not only a different audience, but a very young audience. I see resonating in my own mind what I refer to as the 80s generation being in this. I'm seeing kids from the 80s generation doing amazing things around the world, whether it's community building, permaculture, it can be a myriad of things. But it does seem that punk science is talking to a different type of audience. Would I be correct in assuming that?
1: You know, I've been absolutely amazed at who's taken on board punk science because... Um, I did. Yes, you're right. I wrote for what I call the MTV generation who have a very short attention span (laughs) and are used to their information being given to them in short segments to write in a a way that's culturally relevant. um, Why not? You know, we, we have popular culture. Why not? put something that's within popular culture and uh, also that um was as easy to understand as a, as a sort of we have gcses in in the uk uh, as a as a gcse textbook which um uh, is uh, it's a type of writing that is very very clear and uh, i wanted to demystify de and um, the whole area if you if you look at my description of quantum physics, I don't actually go into a description of the double slit experiment Because I realized that it was confusing people And uh, so these are this sort of approaches that I've, I, uh, I've made It's amazed me who's taken it on it, I, I thought the same that it may be younger people Um, uh, people have embraced it around the world. It's been, you know, uh, translated into several languages. It's, uh, you know, I've done talks at um, green events. I've done talks at pagan events, business events, UFO events, uh, with people just off the streets in Dublin who've never heard of anything scientific before and sold out of books. Um, My leaflets have gone. You know, when the books go, the leaflets then get fought over. I'm just amazed. I mean, places that I have not thought that punk science would take off, they've embraced it. They've called it their own um, from young to old, from, you know, what they might call spiritual to to not. You know, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. It really has.
0: There are many different aspects to it. And maybe we'll take up on this in a subsequent program. To me, it resonates because what I do with my work is I stay very fair and balanced. I work on this program, Crossing Over the Bridge, with that very premise of simply pulling everybody, wherever they are, whatever side of the fence they are, over the bridge together, And it seems to me that the way that you've written this narrative, you do cover many areas. You cover the Gnostic Gospels, you cover science, you cover consciousness, you even cover sunspots of all things. But the underlying message to me is cosmology and the universe. And when I write, I always understand in my writing that there is a disturbance at the beginning and there's an effort through the middle of whether it's a a film or a book and there's a resolution at the end. And you seem to write this book with all of these uh, sub-stories but all the way through it is very much based around cosmology. Would I be correct in that?
1: Yes, yes, you're very perceptive. Um, Coming from a medical background, uh, without even a physics A level, it's been kind of... Odd to me that um, you know I've ended up at, uh, as as uh, you know knowing so much about about cosmology, not a cosmologist. And, and uh, um, interestingly, my mother did want to be a physicist. Whether that's got anything to do with it, but absolutely, I think the main theme is about cosmology and uh, the putting forward this black hole principle. And uh, when I got the the black hole principle, I rewrote the earlier part of the book so that that would flow through the narrative um, and uh, it would piece together with, with that as the main thesis of the book. So, absolutely.
0: How much background research did you have to undertake for this book? Or was this book something that just came naturally to you?
1: Um, I did a lot of research. It's, I mean, I, I have the mystical... Abilities uh, that I describe. I have the visions, but I'm of a scientific nature and for me it's very important. I look at my own visions and go, well, can I back that up? Is there any evidence for that? And, uh, you know, so I, I look at my own experiences very objectively. And um, so... With the, I actually went and studied. Um, you know, I went to the Institute of Physics. Um, they had a conference on Einstein about two thousand and five, uh, and I went to see what Joanne Marguerreau was like as a lecturer. What he was saying, what the pla- uh, the black hole cosmologist was saying. Um, I went into, the, immersed myself completely in the physics world for quite a number of years. Um, and before that, going back, uh, gosh, a good, you know. Back into my hospital medicine days, even before that, um, any spare minute I had, and as you can imagine, as a junior doctor, you don't have that many spare minutes. um, I was studying as much as I could into cosmology. Um, I was there at the medical school library, not studying for my exams, but actually getting out new scientists and learning the latest string theory concepts. <laughs> so um, it's been a sort of osmotic process over the years. Um, and uh, I think it was only when I wrote sort of chapter 17, I just sort of went, gosh, I I've, I've read rather a lot, but not sort of <laughs> acknowledged. And, you know, it's, 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 I think when you're in your 20s, you've got a lot of energy. And uh, when I think I was actually doing sort of, know 60 70 hours a week and I'd come back um, from a night on call and I would study I would study about cosmology and physics and just you know have it there on the ward with me um, you know any minute that I could so cumulatively it's probably been many many hours
0: if you were to define in 25 30 seconds what you're trying to achieve for the reader what would that be
1: Um, to have fun to inform and to entertain
0: the one thing that really impressed me was there's also an underlying theme and I don't know whether you will have recognized this consciously or subconsciously that essentially uncertainty is humility is that something that you considered when you wrote this
1: gosh um you know there is it was very difficult for me to write this because I'm not a physicist and I was constantly going, Hugh, me, I'm you know, a GP, you know, that's far away from physics. But uh, I think to understand that it comes, it comes through me and I don't have all the answers and I would be so, you know, open to somebody saying, well, actually, th- this is not right because of this is that. And that's why I do write at the end of the book, I could be wrong, I could be right, uh, quoting the famous... Um, Sex Pistol, John Lydon. Um, And, uh, you know, because it's it's an answer that's come through me and I really do know that it's been given to me to look after. It's not completely of me, but it's not completely not of me either. And uh, it's been found before. I was delighted to find out about Nassim after the um, uh, idea came through. Somebody put me in touch with uh, Nassim shortly afterwards. Because it really shows that this belongs to so many people and it's coming through so many people at this point in time in our history and that's just such a joyous thing it's a confirmation that the time is right to turn it doesn't belong to one single person it's all of us humanity is being given a new paradigm right now.
0: I certainly believe that many of the concepts and ideas and narratives that you have in the book will be well suited to a Crossing Over the Bridge program with Nassim Haramein. It is a wonderful book and it has been an incredibly meaningful conversation today and I certainly look forward to having you back on the program again.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much.
0: And to our listeners today, I do hope that you enjoyed this program as much as I. You can gain information on this and any other program in the series at davidgibbons.org. Meanwhile... Wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in discussion. Welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors.